Okay. There you go. Thank you guys for leading us in the song. We just uh, changed to our own sound equipment, and so we're still kind of messing around getting it going, but thank you guys for working through it. It'll go on and it'll go off. We'll just trust that the Lord, he, if there's things you're not supposed to hear. <laughs> we, at this time, I'd like to dismiss the kids to kids ministry. <laughs> And then if you have a Bible, I'm just going to pray um, from Galatians 5.22. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm just going to cry out to the Lord that we would see the Holy Spirit's fruit in our lives. You don't, you don't have to, but if, if you're able and if you'd like to, I'm going to go on my knees before the Lord. Just humbly put myself before him. If, if you're able to do that, if you want to join me, you can go on your knees and join me in prayer. If you're not able to, if you're not comfortable doing that, you don't have to. I'm just going to cry out to the Lord. That you can continue to take out anger and bitterness and worry and lust. Oh Lord, and that your, your spirit would reign supreme and set in peace, love and joy and peace ever increasing in our lives. Lord, that you give us patience, kindness, and gentleness. Lord, that you do that work in us. It's such a, a hard season for many. God, any kindness you see is not from us, Lord, may it be from you. Lord, that you give us goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Lord, that we'd see those qualities increasing in us as you form Jesus Christ in us. Oh, Lord, we can't do it on our own. Lord, I'm crying out to you. We need your help. We need your hand to be upon us. That you could actually make us joyful. In this time, you could make us more loving. That kindness could increase. God, only you can do it, so we're crying out that you would. Lord, I pray as I, as I preach your word this evening, I ask for the Spirit's anointing. That is to be a word
I'm not sure. There you go. It could have been that was bent. All right. We'll give it the three strike rule. So, I don't know, is it at one, two? Is it at three? Someone's sorry. Sorry, at three. The only thing is, if it cuts out, I'll just start preaching louder. And then if it cuts back in, I'm sorry. But if you have a Bible, if you'd like to turn with me to Genesis, Genesis chapter one. We're going through the book of Genesis, hoping that the Lord would form in us a biblical worldview, ever increasing. Last week, we looked at uh, days five and part of day six in creation, how God created the sea creatures and the birds of the air and all the animals on the land. Just part of day six. And now we get to go into the rest of day six. And, and I hope as we, as we do that we can see and answer these questions, why are we here, and why do we exist? The questions surely no one is thinking about. The thing is, the world has an answer for us to those questions. You only live once, like live in the moment. Or we're just a bunch of cosmic accidents. So eat, drink, tomorrow you'll die. Do whatever feels good. Live your best life now. You can imagine what that does for a society. It causes a lot of self-esteem issues. I think many have massive identity issues because we deny who made us and why he made us. So we're always searching, what's my purpose? What's my existence? We're not accidents. No, we are created beings. And the one who made us does not do this, does not do things haphazardly. He does not just throw things together. He does everything with a purpose, everything to conform to his holy and perfect will. As we look at this text today, I pray that you'll see that humans were fashioned by God. Therefore, he determines how we function, how our bodies are made up internally and externally. He's decided in which the way we are to live, we can't fly. We're made to walk upright. He made us male and female. He has defined our purpose and reason for being. We don't need to search high and low or plumb the depths of human wisdom or search history for however many ages you can find. For we already have the answer. Simply turn to the one who made us. The one who gave us this book. The one who sent his son, Jesus Christ. Why are we here and why do we exist? I... I pray you're going to hear loud and clear the answer to that in this word this evening. If you want to stand with me, I'll be reading from Genesis 1, uh, 26 to 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. May God bless his word to our souls this evening. You can have a seat. I've called this, this message, Amagio Day, created with purpose. Amagio Day is Latin, right? Made in the image of God. And where we're going for the next two or three weeks, we're actually going to be in this passage. There, there's so much to unpack. I've, I've been spending time reading and studying and meditating and, and listening and praying. On thinking about how we're made in the image and likeness of God. And I pray that as we go through this evening, we would continue to grow again our understanding of who God is, our theology, that's the study of God would increase, that we would see that God decides our function, our gender, our value, and our purpose. And even as we see that we're made in the image and likeness of God, and even that we're, we're broken and marred by sin, then that, that we would see so clearly that in Jesus Christ, we're made new, we're renewed, and that image that though it's marred, though it's broken, is being renewed every day. In Christ, I pray that that's what we would see. If you look at Genesis 1.26 with me again, well, for, first I just want you to notice all throughout Genesis 1.3, and God said, let there be. Genesis 1.6, and God said, let there be. Genesis 1.9, and God said, let the waters. There's this pattern and God said, let there, let this. And notice, what does it say in 126? Then God said, let us. <laughs> it breaks the pattern. It says something very different. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. All of a sudden, God speaking to God is saying, now is time to create humanity. Do you think it was an afterthought? Do you think they're like, oh, wait a second, we're creating all these things, we're, we're missing something. Friends, I want you to see it's not an afterthought, but it was planned. I'm just going to read a few verses from the New Testament. Matthew 25, 34, a parable that Jesus is talking about, the sheep and the goats, but he says this of the king. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Or Ephesians 1.4, Paul talks about this about God. He said he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in him. 
That's amazing. The eternal plan of redemption before anything was created. God already had in his mind of the humanity he was going to create. The sin that was going to enter in and how he was going to redeem them. So when we see this, this phrase, let us make man in our image, it's not a thought goes off. It's like now it's time. The holy triune God talking to one another. Now it's time to create humanity. Again, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Friends, can we see that as we, as we looked at the days of creation, as, as God prepared and fashioned, created time and matter and space, then created the sky, the expanse above it. He separated the waters and the land. Then he put in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Then he put in the sea creatures into the water and the birds into the sky. And I even missed a day where he put the shrubs, the trees, the grass on the land. Then he filled the land with animals. But why? He was preparing the way for humanity. He's pre preparing the way for humankind. Creation was prepared for life, or more specifically, humans. If you see, to have dominion over all. If we would keep reading in Genesis 2, Genesis 2 is simply day 6 going into greater detail. The focus is on who? It's on Adam naming the animal's authority over them, and then Eve, and Adam and Eve coming together. The story of the rest of the Bible the rest of the Bible is not about animals, it's not about fish, it's not about the sun, the moon, and the stars. It's about God's creation, humans, mankind. It's not, it's not finding Dory, it's not the Lion King. It's a story of God making humans in the image and likeness of God and saying, is this very good? And then we know sin enters in and brokenness. And then God calling a people to himself, from Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, from Jacob, the 12 tribes, to Judah, and from Judah, to David, the king, and from David, the king, to bring Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to bring redemption. And then from redemption, as we're anticipating one day the Lord to return and make all things new. It's a story about humanity made in the image and likeness of God. So as, as we look, we're asking the question, why? Again, I pray it'll be just very clear when we're done our time this evening, why he has made us. But first, I want to go back again to verse 26. Again, point out, I want us to grow in our theology. As someone pointed out to me today, we're actually all theologians. And what that means is we, it's a study of God. And again, A.W. Tozer said, the, the greatest thing you can think about is God, or, or, or what you think about God, I messed it up, I didn't write it down. But basically, when we think about God, that's the greatest thing that we can think of. And, and we all need to keep growing in our minds of who God is. And so just thinking about where it says, let us make man in our image. We see here the triune God. Some commentators think, oh, they're talking to the angels. 
But no, humans are not made in the image and likeness of angels. We're made in the image and likeness of God. There's hints found in the Old Testament. I'm talking about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Having this conversation with one another in the Old Testament. We see in in Genesis 3.22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. In Genesis 11.7, the Tower of Babel, let us go down. This, This plurality. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord. This is written by David. More fully do we see the Trinity in the New Testament. In, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, as Jesus is baptized, it says this, When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. You see, The Son coming up, the Spirit coming down, the Father speaking. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, is how Paul ends the letter to the church at Corinth. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just think about this for a moment. In salvation, our holy triune God at work, the Father plans our salvation. The Son on the cross accomplishes salvation and the Holy Spirit applies what the Son did onto our lives. You think in in prayer, we pray to God the Father by the work of Christ the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We serve a holy triune God revealed here in Genesis 1, 26. By the term Elohim, which is in the plural form, and yet it's singular. Amazing. I just want us to think about that. I want our concept of God to continue to grow, continue to expand. So God said, let us make man in our image. And that term man means mankind, humankind, distinct from animals, plants, or even spiritual beings. God created humans, people, And he said, let us make them in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That amagio Dei. We're all learning Latin. (laughs) Made in the image of God. Again, look at verse 27. Anytime things are repeated in Scripture, we should take note. Verse 27, three times in a row, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Two times it says image, and three times it says created. God is the one who did it. Instantly. It wasn't these millions of years, and then we came to be. No, God created in the image and likeness of himself. I want to spend a while here thinking through this. What does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? And I pray that as we're doing it, our purpose of why God made us will become 
more clear. Many people think, like, what is the difference between image and likeness? There's been a lot written about the differences. But if we look at Genesis 5.1, the word likeness is used. This is the book of the generation of Adams. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. In Generations 5, or Genesis 5.3, that same term, both terms are used, but it's switched. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. And then we even see image again in, in Genesis 9-6, following the flood. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man his blood be shed, for God made him in his own image. So sometimes use likeness, sometimes use image. I'm not going to make a big deal between the two phrases, but instead I want us to think what it means about humans, the ones who are created. We're to be like God, we're not God, but we're to reflect who God is. Because think, God is not a human, but he's a spirit. John 4, 24, God is spirit. But think about this, how he has made humans in his image. He gave us physical bodies. And, and one day, not only our souls are redeemed, but our bodies will be resurrected. And think about how amazing it is that Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, humbled himself, came to earth, and clothe himself with human flesh. Think about how our, our bodies are so ordered that when doctors operate on them or perform surgeries, they're not searching around where things should be in this make or model. Like, right? Because we are made with order. And I, I could spend a lot of time talking about the intricacies of the human body, but that will be for another time. I want us to think again and wants to see how being made in the image of God decides our function. Being made in the image of God decides our function. Think about this. We are created with knowledge. We are created because made in the image of God. Morality. Conscience. This idea of right and wrong because God created us. Even this, this, this desire for justice. We see something wrong happening. We want something right to happen. We want payment to be made. That's, it's such a big thing, you guys. Being made by God gives us morality, gives us a conscience. And those who would argue, hey, we just, we're just happen chance, we're just accidentally here, then there's nothing to tether them to morality. Then it doesn't matter what anyone does to anyone. But I'm telling you, made in the image and likeness of God gives us Morality, conscience, idea of justice allows us to be creative as God creates. Humans are able to create art or music or homes or cars or, or, or gardens. I'll talk more about that when I talk next week about dominion. The ability to make beautiful things and enjoy beauty. We're rational beings. We can think. We're intelligent, perhaps questionable at times today. <laughs> we can communicate. We've been given language, spoken or written. Anyone ever heard the speech, I have a dream? You've heard those words spoken. Anyone ever forced to read Shakespeare? <laughs> For, that's like maybe just giving a hint of how I feel about Shakespeare. Anyone ever heard of that great book written by a monkey? No. 
You haven't. Because I, I, I just want to point out there's something about the ability to communicate with words, whether spoken or writing, again, that no, no other part of creation has. We have guinea pigs. They make squeaks. <laughs> but, but we, our ability to communicate because we were made in the image and likeness of God. We were made to be relational beings. We're not meant to be apart. We're not meant to be individuals. We're meant to be in relationship. First, we're, we are meant to be made in relationship with God. The Trinity, think about this. The Trinity was in a perfect relationship of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect love with one another, self-sufficient, didn't need anything, but yet they made humans, relational beings, that they could, that we could enter into that love. And again, we were made for relationships with other people. I'm going to talk more about that as we look at chapter two, but how we know this to be so true, especially over these past two years. Or like, I was made to be with other people. And we were made to love as God loves. We were made to be righteous, doing what is right, knowing truth and living it. That's how God made humans. God made humans holy, as in set apart from all things. So God is holy. There's no one like God. But humans, compared to the animal kingdom, we were set apart from all other aspects of creation. Only humans are made in the image of God. We are also, we are made to be holy as in pure, lacking evil or wrongdoing. Again, made holy to be in a right relationship with God. For he made us for himself. Again, note the, the repetition there in Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. He just created them. They didn't have any belly buttons. Now that, that's like a little trivia question for you. <laughs> they were made as adults. They're mature, yet they were made in that instant. Adam, as we know the story, as day six goes on, Eve later. But they weren't made as little babies. They were made mature. So friends, I want us to see that being made in the image of God decides our function. I also want to see that being made in the image of God decides our gender. God decides our gender. It's not fluid, it's fixed. Victor Hamilton, commentator, says, Sexuality is not an accident of nature, nor is it simply a biological phenomenon. Instead, it is a gift of God. Is this narrow-minded of God to say such a thing? But no, God's the one who creates. He creates the parameters in which he's going to allow life to exist and the reality in which it is to exist as well. Because again, again, note at, at the end of day six, what does God say in verse 31? God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good all things, mankind, male and female, very good. This, this is God's best. Does the creator not get to decide the way he makes us? 
But what about our society? We're so individualistic. We pick our clothes to wear, the cars we drive, the color of our iPhone, all things. And then we think that we can truly pick our own gender. Friends, the choice is not ours, but it's God's. We don't pick our parents. We don't pick the place that we are born. And we don't pick whether we're male or female. Think about this. When my, when my middle child was born, we didn't find out whether the child was going to be a boy or a girl. We waited. And so I got the privilege as the father, as the baby came out, to announce. He came out. My little son Judah, it's, it's a boy. It's a boy. No confused looks on anyone's faces, and I'm, I'm not even joking, though. Sorry, this is serious. I know I'm a joker. No one's confused. No one questioned me. No doctor or nurse said, are you sure? We are all sure. Here's a little baby boy. What about people who struggle with this? Who they're not, they're not certain. They're, they're questioning. Friends, we need to lovingly guide them back to reality. Listen to them. Pray with them. And then, by God's grace and God's kindness, show them the truth. Friends, think about this with me. And again, this is, this is not a joke. But if, if one of my kids, for whatever reason, thought they were, thought they were a cat... Would I go with them? No, I, I would lovingly guide them back to that. Like, that's, that's not true. That's actually really damaging. That's hurtful to continue to go on that way. Friends, adults have failed us. That our, our children need to be guided towards what is true, towards what is good. There's a difference between being male and female, there, there's a difference physically. There's a difference in roles. Like a mom cannot be a dad. A dad cannot be a mom. A mother cannot be a father. And a father cannot be a mother. There's, there's a difference there. We're going to talk more about that as we look at Genesis chapter 2 in, in greater detail. But just think about this. We need to teach our kids what it means to be male and teach our kids what it means to be female. We need to teach them how to differentiate between the two. We need to celebrate the differences of gender because our society, day in and day out, is constantly beating the drum and trying to say they don't exist. Our society does the opposite, but we need to celebrate that which God has made and, and celebrate it because he says, very good. He made them male and female. He made them female. Friends, I just want you to think about this. In cultures that have a Judeo-Christian worldview, there's a, a high view of women and girls. In other cultures around the world that do not have that same worldview, sometimes treat women as lower-class citizens in places where Islam rules or Shahira law, where women have no rights, where they cannot show their faces. In communist, atheistic China, when they... They had their one-child policy, so the little girls who were born were put to death. 
and only boys could live. But I want you to see that the, the biblical understanding, he made us male and female, shows us there's the quality between the sexes. That God loves male and female. He had made, made us both with, with value, with purpose. So I want you to see being made in the image of God decides our gender. I want you to see being made in the image of God decides our value. Just first question, though, how does our society decide our value? Friends, I think more and more the media, our society, actually wants to create us in not in the image of God. Whether the things that we, we think causes us to have value, whether it's having more money, a higher position, the right clothes, a bigger house, a higher education, the right brand of your phone, more followers or likes on your Instagram or Facebook account. Friends, those don't give you value. I want you to hear this. You have value because you are made in the image of God. Period. You have value because you are made in the image of God. Think about this from babies, the unborn, to the most elderly among us, from the smartest to the slowest, from the poorest to the richest, no matter the family background, ethnicity, skin color, all are made in the image of God. Again, this is a Christian, this is a biblical worldview. And then you think again, not to pick on China, but you think of where China, they don't believe in God. And as communism came in, and they call it the Great Leap Forward, and 30 million people estimated died. They didn't care. Those are just people in the way of seeing a great society emerge. Think about, do you know Charles Darwin's full title? So there's the origin of species, but the full title of the book is Origin of Species or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Which a belief in, in that type of thinking caused eugenics, like controlling who could have babies and trying to make sure that maybe poor people or certain races couldn't have children. Again, ideas have consequences. Even we saw it, Adolf Hitler took that idea and thought the Aryan race was so dominant and started killing Jews and gypsies. And anyone who is uh, mentally slower thought we'd just take them out because they, these people were not made in the image and likeness of God. Our own culture Upwards of 100,000 babies, the unborn, are killed each year. At the same time, the government told everyone to stay home, save lives. They passed bills that made it easier to kill the elderly. By euthanasia, assisted suicide, like they should get to decide the sanctity of life. Again, Genesis 9, 6, I read before, right after the fall, it says, whoever sheds the blood of man by man, his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. All have been made in the image of God and so have value. If you can't speak or if you're brilliant with words, if you're born with delayed or limited 
development or you're a genius, you have value in every aspect. May we take this to heart, the value we have being born in the image of God. I just, I just want you to see that, just that belief alone, how it can shape us. Because look at how the belief is like we're, we're disconnected from God and we're just accidents and what that can do. Being made in the image of God decides our value. Being made in the image of God decides our purpose. We were made for God to reflect him, to point to him, to glorify him. I've mentioned before this, this catechism I do with my children called Truth and Grace. The first question is, who made you? God. What else did God make? Everything. <laughs> Why did God make you in everything? For his own glory. He made us for his own glory. Think of what does Psalm 150 say? I think this is, this is one of the reasons we are made. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent grace, greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Friends, we are, we are created to praise the Lord. And then in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all things to the glory of God. Like all-encompassing. Everything in life can be done for him. Let's work with our family, our, our sexuality can be to the glory of God, how we rest, how we spend our time and money, the goals and the ambitions we have, everything should come under the umbrella to glorify God. Friends, life will not make sense outside of a right relationship with God, the one who made you and living out his purpose for you. Right? That's where things make sense. Like, think about if we, if we used other things not for the purposes that they were made, if if you gave someone a new flat screen TV and you came over to their house and they're chopping up onions. You're like, this is a terrible cutting board. You're like, oh. <laughs> or if you used your, your cell phone as a football, maybe it would be hard to catch. Maybe it would be a good thing, though, if you got a touchdown and smashed that thing. But <laughs> we used a crock pot as a soccer ball. You're like, it doesn't go so far. Like, if we use things for what they're created for, it makes sense. But if we take them out of context and we start to use them what they weren't, it's ridiculous. Friends, that's like us humans who are not living for God, who are just doing their own thing. It's like using a crock pot as a soccer ball. It's actually way more ridiculous for that. If you look at creation, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, leading to the creation of humans made in the image and likeness of God. And then we would walk around and be like, and he doesn't exist. As Augustine has said, speaking of God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Friend, he has made us in his image and, and decided what our function is, our gender, our value, our purpose. 
But we know after Genesis 1 comes Genesis 2, after Genesis 2 comes Genesis 3, when sin entered in. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, and from one act of sin, they were kicked out of God's presence. And though we are made in the image and likeness of God, now the image is, is broken, it's marred, it's tarnished. The image some, in some places is marred, in some places is lost. What I mean by marred, it's skewed. So we, we were made to love, made to be in relationship, and now we'll love things instead of people. Again, we, we were made for God because of sin. We rebel against God and go wherever we want to, whenever we want to. We were, we were actually made with the ability to create and create beautiful things. But because of sin's brokenness, we make prisons instead of gardens. <laughs> we make the metaverse instead of parks. We use our creativity to keep people locked up, separate from one another, instead of coming together. So that was marred, but part of being created in the image and likeness of God was lost. What I mean is that the righteousness that mankind was made with, to always do what's right, the holiness that God made mankind with. Instead, when sin entered, we became sinners estranged from God, turning our backs on him in rebellion against him, and our sin separating us from the God who made us for himself. Sin. As I talk about the purposes that God has made us for to glorify him, and I talk about the function that God has made us for, if we look at our, our lives, do you see the gap between how he made us and the purpose that he made us for in our own lives? Where we can be filled with anger or sexual sin or addiction or worry or more, more, more. Seeking to find value in things, in people, in experiences. And our brokenness just lead us on this rabbit trail looking for something of value. My friends, God loved us so much, right? He didn't leave us to, our, to ourselves, but he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins and our brokenness and to redeem us to himself. And where we were created and broken and in rebellion, God took our rebellion, took our sin upon himself upon the cross, on Jesus Christ. And we have been restored. Anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ then will have a right relationship with God the Father again. And we can live how God made us to live. We can live for him. Friends, I just, I want us to see in the time remaining how Christ restores what was lost in the fall. Just looking at a few passages in the New Testament. The first is Colossians 1, 15. It says of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In Ephesians 3, 
9 to 10, talking to the church at Colossae, we looked at it in the fall. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self in Jesus Christ, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There's this renewing going on as we come to trust in the Lord. He takes our brokenness, our shame. As we trust in him, we're being renewed in the image of our creator. If you look at 2 Corinthians 3.18 with me. It says this. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's the Christian walk. You're transformed into the image, to the same image from one degree of glory to other. That image is Jesus Christ. That the Spirit's being formed in us. As you trust in him, as you, like, you surrender your life, like, yes, I am yours, oh God. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And then he's transforming us and he's changing us from one degree of glory to another. And friends, as we, as, as we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that which was lost in the fall, holiness, is restored in Jesus Christ. So we receive his holiness credited to our account. The holiness of Jesus. We receive Jesus' righteousness. As 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He became sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness which was lost at the fall is restored in Jesus Christ. And how, how, do, we, how do we walk in that? Trust and obey. An old hymn put it. At our church, we kind of have this path. We have discipleship. We want people to abide in Christ. So as, as we're being renewed, we're being, Christ is being formed in us, abiding in Christ, remaining in him, trusting in him. You don't like, I believed in Jesus, yeah, way back when. You're like, no, I'm believing in him now. He's my only hope. And, he's, and God's changing me. The Holy Spirit's at work in me, forming Christ in me. So I'm in his scriptures. I'm like, God, tell me something. God, renew my mind. Renew my heart. Change me. Every time I see the fruit of the Spirit, I'm like, Lord, allow that to be formed in me. We want to abide in Christ. We want to grow in the church. So we want to gather together with other believers. Sing songs to the Lord. Open up the word. Fellowship with each other. Keep each other accountable. Encourage one another. Weep with one another that Christ would be more fully formed in us. And as God does that, then we want to reach our community, right? That, that Jesus Christ would be formed in us. And so that as we, as we go and meet with people, we could share the love of Jesus Christ. And friends, just as, just as a car, sometimes you're like, you're buffing it out. Maybe you got a dent in it. You got to bring it back out. And you're like ripping the paint off. And then, and, then you, and then you buff it so much, maybe you can see your reflection. That's what's happening to us in, the, in these times we're living and we're going through trials. 
but if we'd go on our knees, that Christ would be formed in us in a greater fashion in this time. By his mercy and by his grace. I don't know about you, but my, my brokenness has been revealed so much in the past number of years. What we've gone through, so much garbage has come out of my mouth, which flows from my heart. I'm like, God, change me. I see how you made me, made us originally. And oh, I, I get the brokenness and I see the promises of what Christ will do in us. And I'm like, Lord, do it more. Oh, that's, that's my, my prayer for us all. That he would do it more. But why? What for? So we can reflect God. So we can point others towards him. So we can give him glory as he made us to do. If you'll bow with me, I'd like to close this time in prayer. Oh God, do that work in us, I pray. Seal this word in our hearts. But oh Lord, by your spirit, continue to form Jesus Christ in us. Lord, for those present who do not know you, may you draw them to yourself. May they see how good you are, how gracious you are, how they can find their purpose for life in you. Lord, for those who do know you, help us to live that out today. Help us to live for you. Help us to glorify you in all that we do. Lord, we fall short. We thank you for your grace and mercy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.